You're listening to the PCOS Collective, the podcast that helps you manage your PCOS symptoms without restriction. I'm your host, Alex Williams, a registered associate nutritionist who specializes in PCOS management and food freedom. Before we get started, a quick message from this season's sponsor. This season of the PCOS Collective is sponsored by Time Health. Time Health produce UK-made, high-quality inositol supplements for people with PCOS. Keep listening to learn more about Time Health's inositol products and for an exclusive discount code for listeners of the PCOS Collective. Welcome everybody to the PCOS Collective. Today I am joined by Emma Haslam from Your IVF Abroad. She is an expert in fertility treatment abroad after her own fertility journey. Um, She now helps people find affordable, accessible and inclusive fertility treatment. So hi Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Alex, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to speaking today all about getting fertility treatment abroad. So let's start off by talking about why you chose to have fertility treatment abroad. Yeah, sure. So um, long story short, we were turned down for NHS um, treatment due to BMI. I did. um, I got told to go and lose a lot of weight, which I actually did over a, a two year period. However, when I returned to an appointment expecting that gynecology would then refer me for fertility treatment, I was actually told that in our area, the CCG um, rules around BMI had changed and had gone from 35 to 30. Um, I had a diagnosis of um, low AMH and perimenopause. So actually my weight wasn't part of the reason why I couldn't conceive. And our options at that point were to just, in inverted commas, go away and lose another two and a half stone, which at a size 14 to 16 then I didn't feel like I could do without kind of resorting to really drastic measures. And I'd done it really healthily over two years. And, you know, I was also very cross (laughs) having, I mean, that's understatement, uh, but having sort of spent all that time and effort and energy and given my diagnosis, it really felt like a waste of kind of two years. So. We began to look um, privately in the UK because I knew that we could get treatment in the UK with my BMI, Um, but just didn't really sort of gel with any of the clinics, like found it really difficult to get a clear answer on things like costs. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, you know, we spent nearly a thousand pounds on three or four consultations that we had. And there was a couple of them that like in the post follow-up bit, when we got the actual co- like costs that were so different to those on their websites, um, but like deliberately misleading. I'm not talking about like you have a consultation and a doctor says, well, actually it'd be really handy to have this test. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that they d- deliberately, in my opinion, omitted from their um, their websites. And so actually we, we then realized we couldn't afford to go with that clinic. And I mm-hmm. felt really aggrieved that we'd spend money on a consultation to find out that, you know, one, that they were not particularly transparent and honest, which is a a massive bugbear for me, but also that we couldn't afford to go with them anyway. Um, Mm. And I don't know, we just didn't, we just didn't feel we found the fit and it was also extortionate. And we knew that we didn't have this pot of money lying about like most people. Um, And we knew that, you know, we were going to have to make some serious sacrifices if we were to save up for fertility treatment. And so, 
um, we were newlyweds. So instead of buying a house, we, um, I mean, we were fortunate, don't get me wrong, to move back in with my parents. But as newlyweds um, in a small terrace house, it's not an ideal situation to find yourself in. And, and all of the luxuries went out the window, holidays, all of the things that people have to sacrifice for private treatment. So we began to save up. And sort of during that time, we're like, well, what are we going to do? Um, mm-hmm. So I started to look at things like adoption, didn't feel that that was for us. Um, and then I don't know what, I honestly don't know what led me to sort of type into Google IVF abroad. And then when I did, I was like, whoa, well, this is massively overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done it. You like, you just get so much back. Um, I think Adam and I, my husband, Adam, we've always been the kind of people that are not afraid to do things differently. If you think back to when we had our treatment abroad, it was like 2000 and when was it? 2016, I think. And and back then, there kind of wasn't this supportive fertility space that you see online now. I didn't know anybody who had gone abroad for fertility treatment. Mm-hmm. I'd heard stories of things like people going abroad for like a botched up and coming back with a botched up boob job or nose job or you hear the horror stories don't you yeah um but at the same time I am quite well traveled so as Adam I just like before meeting Adam I went off on my own around the world for 13 months so I think I'm not afraid to try things that other people might think oh my god I can't do that um I'm also naturally somebody who likes to research the death out of things um and it, so it gave me that kind of control back. So I quite enjoyed mm-hmm. that part of the process. But we, we just started to look and, and saw that lots of the clinics offered free consultations or if not cheap consultations comparatively to the UK. Um, no waiting lists. Um, and I just kind of preferred the feel of the information on their websites. Everything was very transparent and upfront. And we just thought, well, do you know what? We may as well just book some consultations because if they're free or low cost, mm-hmm. then we've got nothing to kind of lose. Then let's just talk to them. You know, there's no commitment to have to go and do something. Um, so we did. And we had a completely different experience um, when we compared it to the three or four clinics we spoke to in the UK. Um, just transparent, but kind, um, you know, much higher success, verified success rates. Um it was the first time that actually donor conception was was mentioned to mm-hmm. us. Um, we knew we had like a three to five percent chance of it working with um, our own egg and sperm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't mentioned by um, the clinics in the UK, which is I still can't really quite wrap my head around that. And, and I didn't really know of it. So I hadn't entered my head. Um, and all three clinics that we spoke to said to us, it's not going to work with your own egg and sperm. Like if you want to do this, you can but we really, really wouldn't be happy to take your money. We, it's not going to work, mm-hmm. which is a massively difficult thing to hear. However, I just like the fact that they weren't just going to take our money. Um, but if we wanted to try down that route for obvious reasons that they would. So we decided to, to kind of go down the donor conception route. And um, we just knew as soon as we found the right clinic from kind of gut feeling. Um, and, you know, we kind of did what checks we kind of could do or, or, you know, with the tools that we had at the time, obviously I've learned loads more since then. Fortunately, we had a really good outcome in terms of we did pick a safe clinic and it was all okay um, because, you know, not all clinics abroad are safe mm-hmm. and regulated, et cetera. 
Um, but that's kind of how we, you know, got to it. And actually, although the process was quite overwhelming, I mean, I think it's quite overwhelming probably wherever you do it, um, the fact that we didn't have to wait, the fact that we weren't treated like a number, the fact that we could have some time away together, um, and the fact that I was treated like a human being, you know, just because my BMI at that time, I think, well, it was 35 when I went for my NHS appointment, but then I put a little bit of weight back on due to kind of the stress of everything. So I think it was about 37, 38 by the time we had treatment. And yet I felt like we were looked at holistically. You know, they said, your weight's not your issue. You're healthy. We're happy to proceed. So it was just, it just felt like a completely different relationship. And, you know, the other big thing for us was cost. Um we knew that we could have three rounds of donor embryo for the price of kind of, you know, one to two in the UK. And that was everything included flights, accommodation, the whole Mm. lot. Um, So we know it's a numbers game and we knew that it would give us more chance. We knew that once this money had gone, there wasn't going to be the opportunity to live with my parents forever and we'd have to draw a line under it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so it was all of those things really that kind of informed that decision Mm -hmm. to go and do it and it you know it did take us three attempts um we had two failed cycles before we kind of got there but if it wasn't for going abroad then I wouldn't have my son because we wouldn't simply would not have been able to afford it in the UK Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing that's so interesting I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent but I'm curious of how your family and friends reacted to you going abroad for this were they nervous for you were they worried you were getting scammed because I presume most people in you know 2016 hadn't really heard maybe of IVF abroad or like you said I've only heard the botched boob jobs and Brazilian bum lifts and all of that stuff (laughs) probably weren't kind of expecting to hear you going down that route yeah they were horrified absolutely (laughs) horrified I mean now it's hilarious because my mum will go oh I met so-and-so in the supermarket and I was talking about her daughter and she's having trouble conceiving and I said to her oh she needs to go abroad she needs you know and so it's the narrative has completely changed but yeah I remember at the time mum saying well how do you know it's going to be safe and yeah you know and again reeling off stories and things that people had heard and you know what about if we were to they were to try and help us financially more to have it done in the UK but I was like I don't actually even want it doing in the UK it's not just Mm -hmm. about money um and I said, you know, I really don't believe that it's going to be like that. I'm going to a pure fertility clinic. They don't do any of those procedures. You know, I've done my homework as, as best I could with the knowledge I had then, granted. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, pretty horrified. Um, however, she knows that I am quite a considered person and I do my research. I take my time over things mm-hmm. um, and I'm sensible deep down. Um, but yeah, like you say back then, it wasn't something that people were doing or if they were, they weren't talking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, but sort of once I've kind of been through the process once, even though it didn't work and, you know, I returned safe and with reports of a glowingly clean clinic and all the rest Mm -hmm. of it, um, she was, she was okay. And like I say, they're, they're all, you know, very pro people having having choice and knowing that there are options out there because for some people this is literally the difference between having a family and not mm-hmm. um but also you know the standard is actually much higher abroad um I think sometimes and my mum said this to me herself you know sometimes as Brits we can presume that we are best at everything and actually that's not true mm-hmm. um you know and there are light years ahead in Europe in terms of fertility treatment so 
I think she's kind of educated herself and I will have bored her to death talking about it all as well. Um, so, yeah, so now she's, you know, super. Big advocate. Yeah, obviously it's made her a grandma and she's, you know, a massive advocate of people having choice and making informed decisions because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, and having inclusive, yeah. compassionate, respectful treatment, like yes. I said, kind of having that refreshing you know, honesty from these clinics are saying that this might not work for you or we're not going to do this because we don't think it will work. And, you know, just having that really clear process is, must be have been such a refreshing time. So yeah. if people are interested in considering fertility abroad, like where do they even start thinking about maybe like a country to go to? Or like where, yeah. would, where would you advise someone to begin thinking about all this? So kind of the, the, the most popular places to go for fertility treatment are places like Spain, um, the Czech Republic and Greece. There are other places, um, but they're kind of the three that that offer the most clinics. Um, so they're good places to kind of, of start. Um, I would personally say to stay away from countries that are not in the EU if you are looking mm-hmm. at Europe. The reason I say that is by using a clinic within the European Union, you automatically have protection um, that you don't if you use clinics outside of the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to check that they're registered and regulated. And by being part of the European Union, their standards of safety and regulation, you know, are going to be high. Mm-hmm. Um, when you move away from the EU, you've got no way really of kind of verifying that. Because um, the, the thing you should be thinking about is obviously safety. Mm -hmm. um and you know also things like ethics and things like that again if they're part of the eu they have to conform to certain codes of ethics and patient care and things like that that are important um -hmm. so you know you also see sometimes from countries that are not in the eu some really outlandish claims around success rates and you think that can't possibly be true. And it's probably because it's not true because there's nobody independently checking and verifying. Um, So I'd say be aware of that. The success rates will be higher than the UK. um, But if something feels like it's too good to be true, it probably is. Mm -hmm. Um, So you do need to do your homework. Like for our clients, we check that they're registered, they're regulated, et cetera, um, because that's an important side to it as well. And if something does go wrong, which is unlikely, but if something does, then, you know, you want you want to be in good hands, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to be in hands that it's less likely that something's going to go wrong. Another thing I would say to people as well is steer away from clinics that offer everything. So you can mm-hmm. go and get your, bum, your Brazilian butt lift at the same time <laughs> as having your boobs done and then also having IVF. You know, those kind of clinics, um, the kind of jack of all trades are, again, the ones I would probably stay away from. I love recommending Time Health and Nostal supplements to my clients, as a Nostal can be so useful to help people with PCOS manage their symptoms. But there are so many Nostal supplements out there, it can feel overwhelming figuring out which one to choose. The reason I recommend Time Health supplements is because both their Nostal complex capsules and Myo and D-Cairo Nostal powder form contain the optimal research-based 40 to 1 ratio of Myo to D-Cairo Nostal. 
This is believed to mirror the physiological ratio of inositol in the body and may work more effectively than taking the inositols individually. To get 15% off your Time Health order, use the code thecollectivewellness15 at checkout. That's the Collective Wellness 15. Thank you, Time Health. And let's talk a bit about logistics. So how long does the process, I know it's going to depend on the treatment you're getting, yeah. but generally, you know, how many times are you having to go to go abroad and how long do you have to kind of stay there? And like, what does that look like? How long is it going to take of your life to do yeah, this? Yeah, to do it. Well, it depends on, on what treatment you're having. As you said, there are no waiting lists generally at most clinics abroad. So that's the first thing. You can usually get a consultation within a couple of weeks. Then you make your mind up. Um, there will be some baseline tests and things that you will need doing as you would in any country to be ready to go ahead and have your, your treatment, but they can be done within a within a cycle. Um, and then in theory, if there's no, you know, all the tests that are needed based on your circumstances, you could then go on your next cycle. Um, so you could have it, you know, everything could be done within a couple of months mm-hmm. um, onwards, depending. If you're looking for donor support, then you'll need to check how long their kind of waiting lists are, um, for donor, when I say waiting list, it's not really waiting list. It's more the, how long their process takes to kind of mm-hmm. match and do all of the paperwork. We expect around kind of eight weeks um, for that. But yeah, pretty quickly. I mean, in terms of time needed away, what lots of people choose to do is to start their treatment in their home country. So start their medication, have their kind of initial scans pre-starting medication and checking that everything's looking okay as they're taking, you know, having the medication, things are going along prior to then flying out for treatment. So for like, we had donor embryo treatment, so we were needed for like two days. Um, Somebody who's having, let's say donor egg might be needed for a week. Um, Somebody who's having own egg IVF would be needed for about 10 days. Sometimes that's split into two shorter Mm -hmm. trips. Um, and in terms of visits to the clinic, it will depend again on the treatment that you're having, but you know, maybe three, four Mm -hmm. in that time, um, for for a 10 day trip. So you're not actually at the clinic for that long. So, you know, it's also about thinking about where would you like to go? Like, where would you be comfortable and happy to spend time? Because although it's not a holiday in the sense of a holiday pre trying for a baby, um, doesn't mean you can't enjoy yourself in between Mm -hmm. those appointments it doesn't mean you can't make the experience better and less rubbish than it needs to be um which is what a lot of clients say to me after say oh you know when you used to say to me like I I ask a lot of questions about destination and what's important and people always go it's just about the clinic and I'm like it isn't just about the clinic because there are great clinics in lots of places but destination is so important because it reflects on how you're gonna feel when you're there like you're spending all of this money, you can enjoy your time and you will thank me when you are somewhere that you want to be when you are only at the clinic a handful of times. Um, you know, and people say, oh, I'm really pleased that you kind of not made them, but asked them to re- to rethink about the importance of destination. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, depending on what kind of treatment you need, you almost need to start with destination because if you are looking for donor treatment there are different rules and regulations and laws and 
the way they treat donors and whether you want anonymous or known. And there's a big minefield that we help our clients with. Um, so there's no point in getting invested in a clinic to then find out that, oh, well, they don't, they can't give us what we need in terms of donation. Or if you are black, for example, and you go to a Scandinavian country, you're going to be waiting a long time, probably never, to get a donor. So destination is almost something to be thinking about prior to finding a clinic. Mm-hmm. And in terms of helping your clients, um, am I right in thinking that you have kind of a little black book of places that have, you know, that accept people of, with high BMI, for example, or um, single parents? Is that right? That you can kind of help people navigate those maybe slightly trickier scenarios? Yeah. So we are the UK's only in completely independent reproductive agency. Mm. So what that means is we can work with whatever clinics we want to. So sometimes people come to us with clinics and we support them through treatment. But most, more often than not, most people want us to help them find a clinic based on their kind of desires, but also their circumstances. So it might be somebody with PCOS. Mm. It might be somebody who is single. It might be somebody who's looking for um, a black egg donor um Mm -hmm. you know it might be somebody who's got very complex medical needs or you know a very complex infertility history or somebody who's got unexplained infertility and they haven't which I don't believe in I believe it means that they haven't got to the bottom of what the problem is yet so I know obviously after I've kind of vetted are they safe are they regulated do they offer the same sort of values as I want them to around honesty, integrity, transparency, great patient care, all of that kind of stuff. It then comes down to what is this clinic special, you know, what is this clinic really good at? Who are they best suited to? So, yeah, I have like a little black book, if you like, um, of who's right for those sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I believe that if, so they've, they've all, they're all going to have good success rates, as I've said, but if I can put somebody with somebody who's a specialist in their condition say PCOS mm-hmm. they are going to have a, a much better chance of becoming pregnant than if they go somewhere where they don't have a particular specialism in that subject for example um so that's a big part of what I do and I give them like um a document on each of the the, the clinics I, I narrow it down to three because their job is to find the right clinic for them and I give them suggested questions so they feel empowered to you know, ask clinics whatever they want to ask them without fear, because any good clinic will answer your questions. But to give my clients confidence that, you know, to to know what to ask, you know, if they're unsure. Um, But, you know, they they go away and they have the consultations and they make the right decision for them. Um, But prior to that, like I say, there's information on these three PDF documents I give them on the clinics and I make it as personable to them as possible what it isn't is like um, just a copy and paste off clinics' websites. You know, I've talked to these clinics. Some of the clinics I visit or I plan to visit. You know, I've got relationships with them. Um, and so I've asked a lot of the questions to kind of get that information away from the glossy websites to, mm-hmm. to present people with factual information. And then hopefully they can look at it and go, oh, right, yeah, I see completely why she's recommended these three clinics. And then at that point, they can decide who they want a consultation with. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously because we're independent, I'm completely impartial. So there's no, you know, there's no benefit to me in recommending any particular clinic because I'm completely on our, on our client's side. And that's a decision we made very early on that we wanted to do that because we thought about what we wanted and what we you know, we didn't want people making it all about commissions and not being fully independent and, 
we wanted people to be impartial and, and instead like 99% of the clinics we work with give our clients discount off treatment because they don't give us the, the commission. So people get discounted treatment um, as well. But yeah, it works really well like that. And it also means I can continue to, as I'm doing all the time, be researching and growing and, and developing more relationships with clinics. Equally, if things change at a clinic, I don't have to work with them anymore, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I guess kind of on that note of cost, um, is it always cheaper to go abroad rather than staying in the UK? Um, is that kind of always the case or does it really depend on the different clinics? It will never. It should never be any more expensive and that's including everything, flights, accommodation, the lot. However, it should be usually cheaper um, mm-hmm. and especially for the standard of care um, and, you know, if you were comparing clinic to clinic in the UK kind of standard-wise – you're going to get a much better standard of clinic. And I always discourage people from thinking of IVF abroad as being a cheap thing. Nobody wants cheap IVF. That's what I say to you. You don't want cheap IVF. Like you want Mm -hmm. best value. We want our money to go further. Um, And you can absolutely have um, great fertility treatment. You could have IVF with ICSI from about £2,000. On top of that, you'd need your flights, your medication, your insurance, your accommodation. So, the average cost in the UK is about £10,000. So on that basis, yeah, you'd have two rounds for the price of one if you were to go mm-hmm. with that clinic. Um, but, you know, it then goes kind of upwards from that. Um, but most people um, will save a significant amount of money and usually enough to pay for another cycle. Um but it which will certainly should never be more, even with everything thrown in there. And, you know, like I say, I encourage people to think about the the quality of clinic they're going to get for their for their money, as well as the savings that they can make as well. Um, mm-hmm. But like for us, we had three rounds of donor embryo treatment um, and they gave us a guarantee that if I wasn't pregnant by round two, they would fund round three. And there was absolutely no quibble. Um, if there was nothing, no schemes like that in the UK that, you know, I've since been able to find after. And, you know, we've saved like probably, I don't know, £16,000 by going abroad. I think we spent eight on everything three mm-hmm. times. Um, so it depends on the treatment you're having. But, yeah, it should be cheaper. Mm-hmm. And are there any costs that people wouldn't necessarily always consider that comes with uh, doing fertility treatment abroad yeah there's a couple of things to kind of bear in mind um obviously your flights your accommodation um you'd need things like you like you'd need regular travel insurance but you might also want to look for specific fertility insurance as well for the female partner having the having treatment um and then again depending on if you start your treatment at home you may need I mentioned earlier to have a scan or two in the UK so that would be, you know, something that you would pay for separately. But we're talking, you know, maybe £240 for a couple of scans, not huge amounts of money. Um, medication, but, you know, there are ways to save lots of money on medication. And you're going to need medication whether or not you're in the UK, you know, and there are ways mm-hmm. to make it cheaper. And you can sometimes look at, like, getting part of it while you're abroad, which saves you masses of money as well. Um 
what else? And then I suppose the, the only other thing is the big C, isn't it? COVID um, in terms of, you know, any tests that might be required. But if you're double vaccinated, then there's very little that's needed now. And it's, it's mm-hmm. so, so much cheaper than, than you know, in the height of the pandemic when we were helping people and they were spending a fortune on testing you. Things have changed. Again, it's country dependent, um, but that's something to kind of to kind of factor in. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. That's been so interesting and so useful. If people want to work with you um, to work on finding, you know, fertility treatment abroad and have your support, where can they find you and what sort of services do you offer? So um, I'll give you some information for the um, for the show notes, but you can come and connect with me over on Instagram, which is at your IVF abroad. I've also got a free Facebook support group for people who are curious about planning having fertility treatment abroad it's not just for like clients it's for anybody um it's a really lovely inclusive supportive group and I do you know regular lives and hints and tips and help answer questions and things in there again I can give you the details of of that but if you type in your IVF abroad you'll see it come up with support group um I've also got a really good I think freebie which is like a checklist for you to use to kind of work out whether or not IVF abroad might be for you or not um so I'll give you that so you can pop it in the in the show notes um but they're generally the best kind of places to come and connect with me my website is yourivfabroad.co.uk we are currently fully booked um however I am reworking my services because I don't want to be part of the problem in the UK where you know, people have to wait for everything. And so I'm changing the way that I work and my services and they will be, um, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, but um, they will all be up on my website from kind of the first week of December to be able to review. And I'll be taking consultations again in December for working with people from January. If you're kind of just wanting some advice and guidance about having treatment abroad, um, non-medical advice, I need to point that out. Um, We do a power hour, I do a donor conception session to talk people through kind of their options and give them the information to make informed decisions. Um, we do the clinic matching or you can find your own clinic and then we support people through treatment um, as well. So there's a whole host of different services that we that we offer to try and support people. I also run a course, which is like a do-it-yourself, where I give you step-by-step instructions on how to um, find a clinic a world-class safe clinic and then how to have treatment abroad and I will be launching the course again at the end of January and there's a waiting list on my website if people are interested to hear more about that amazing yeah like Emma said everything will be in the show thank notes. You. you can go and check all of her amazing resources out and see how to work with her but thank you so much for joining me today thank you for listening to the PCOS Collective If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please rate, review and subscribe and join me every Wednesday for a new episode.